Good morning. And let me say, first of all, thank you to uh, Pastors Wayne and Neil and for uh, inviting me to share uh, today in this, in this, it's always an honor to be here in this pulpit at Trinity. Uh, and I do know uh, Wayne has been involved in a cabinet meeting appointment with the bishop, and I know what that's about, so I don't mind uh, subbing for him today at all. Good, good to be with you. I, I feel like I need to, to give a little context to the scripture this morning. This is one of those uh, uh, gospel lessons that kind of starts in the middle uh, of a longer passage, and so let me, let me give you a little uh, hint, a little context about what's going on. Prior to uh, the words, uh, the verses that I'll read, Jesus has been up on a mountain all night in prayer, comes down from the mountain, and that's when he chooses the 12 disciples to be close to him, the, the ones that actually Luke calls apostles. Then they come down to this plain, uh, uh, that's why this was called uh, in Luke, the Sermon on the Plain, you'll find that out in a moment, uh, and the people come to be healed and to hear. Following, of course, the sermon, much like uh, in Matthew, there's Jesus' uh, body of teaching the people. So hear these words uh, from the Gospel of Luke, verse 6, beginning with chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. He came down with them and stood on a level place, and a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, defame you, on account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, you will mourn and weep. Woe to you, when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. All right, I'd like for you to join me now. Imagine that we are down on that plane on that level place with Jesus and his uh, newly appointed disciples. He's come down from the mountain, he's been praying all night, and a great crowd gathers. Now, in Matthew's gospel, in the sermon that follows this, Jesus stays on the mountain. Because in Matthew wants to emphasize that Jesus is like the new Moses. He has brought a new covenant to the people from God, as Moses brought from Sinai, the commandments, the Ten Commandments, the original covenant. And yet here is Jesus on this level place in this gospel with people, showing that more about how Jesus is the incarnate 
Son of God, the one who has come fully human as well as fully divine, a miracle worker with power. Yes, he's been healing all these people, but also the carpenter's son from Nazareth. So as we look around at, at that crowd of people, that diverse crowd of people, their disciples, their people from various areas, there's from the surrounding area of Judea, it says, that's where Jerusalem was in the southern part of the country. But then, it, interestingly enough, it says there are people from Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were, were northern coastal towns, and they were mainly Gentile. And so people from Tyre and Sidon coming to, to hear Jesus would probably have been not from the Jewish community or the Jewish faith. So here we even have a group uh, outside the Jewish community already following Jesus and being a part of this community. So that's that, on that level place. We have all this diversity of people. It shows us the universal nature of Jesus' message, but more importantly, the universal reach of God's salvation. Wow, what a scene that must have been with all these people coming to be touched and healed. Some obviously with skin diseases and leprosy, others lame and were carried by, by friends and family members. There were even, Luke says, some with unclean spirits. He doesn't define that, but I don't think that's a good thing. And says Jesus healed them all. In that great, noisy, semi-chaotic throng that gathered, we begin to see why people are so desperate to be healed. There's healings all through the Gospels, and, and, but it's not just that they've come to be relieved of whatever disease or pain or disability they have. They've come because when they are healed, they will be back as a member of society, whole again. They'll be received. They'll be able to go to the temple and worship again. They'll be able to conduct business in the community again. So this is not just a healing. This is a, a renewal of life, getting back in the mainstream of life and of their faith. I think those uh, newly minted apostles, those 12, have already started their learning. The rabbi is already teaching. He hasn't spoken a word of a lesson yet, but they've seen the healing. They've seen the power. And they know that following Jesus requires the whole person and involves the whole person. So Rabbi Jesus now begins his his uh, teaching. It, interestingly enough, if you caught this or not, Luke says Jesus looked up and said to his disciples. Now, if Jesus had to look up to the disciples, it must have been he was sitting down and they were standing. And that's exactly the position that rabbis took in Jesus' day. When a rabbi was getting ready to teach or read scripture or do the law, he would sit in respect in humility before God and God's word. And the students would stand in respect to the rabbi. So now, school's in session. The rabbi sat down. And it's a message about, about God's kingdom and how God's kingdom is different from the kingdom that they're used to. And the Sermon on the Plain begins just like the Sermon on the Mount does in Matthew with blessings, with beatitudes. 
Now, these may not be the ones that you learned in Sunday school. <laughs> Matthews are, are a little different than these in Luke. Matthew, of course, says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. Luke says, blessed are you poor, yours is the kingdom of God. Matthew says, blessed are the, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. They shall see God. And Luke says, blessed are you who are hungry. You're going to be filled. What? What's the difference here? Well, again, Matthew sees Jesus as the new Moses. And so his, his beatitudes, his blessings are going to come in this sort of more spiritual, theological way and reflect that aspect of Jesus. But now Jesus is on this, on this level place with the people, and he talks directly to them. In fact, he uses the second person, you, you are who are poor, you who are hungry, and a little later on, you who are rich. We'll get to that in a minute. Don't you imagine Jesus looking right in the faces of people, knowing how poor and hungry they are? Say, you're blessed. You're blessed. I think that's the first time they would have ever heard that. Pretty sure it is. But the beauty of, of the Gospels and the New Testament is that, that, that we have both sort of views of Jesus. We have Jesus as the authority and power of God, the Son of God. But we also have Jesus who was tempted in the desert, who knows our weaknesses and our faults and our strengths our hopes and our dreams. And so all along the spiritual journey and our life journey, Jesus can meet us wherever we need him. <laughs> At the high points or the low points, calling us to repentance or offering forgiveness, calling us with his power and might or, or giving us hope and peace. He's there wherever we need him. And of course, what we mostly need is blessing. That's what we crave. All people want to be blessed. Want to know that God loves them. And Jesus gave that blessing. He did it more than just in this sermon and, and in other places, but all through his ministry, he showed how people were blessed. And especially those who did not think they were blessed, who never would have considered they were blessed. Now we have both both sermons on the mount. There's there's the the Blessed are you who are meek and poor and hung, humble, mourning, persecuted. But Luke then adds the four woes <laughs> to the four blessings. It's like, whoa. <laughs> because he wants us to stop and think a minute. The, and it makes the contrast even more distinct between those who the world thinks are blessed and those who the world thinks can be discarded and shunned. And I believe now we've come to the heart of the passage, to the core message. And that is that the values and standards of God's kingdom are not the values and standards of this world. Not the ones we're used to. This kingdom, this new relationship with God is where the lowly and the meek and the humble are included in God's blessing, while the successful and the well thought of better be cautious. Might not think 
and be able to think they've got it made just because they're rich or have influence or power. Jesus is saying to the poor, to the hungry, your poverty does not define you. You are a child of God, blessed as all other children of God are blessed. But to the rich, Jesus says, your wealth does not define you. You have to be careful, be cautious, whoa. Not believe that your money, your power, your status, your prestige can save you. Only God can do that. So whether we're successful in this life or not, whether we're rich or poor, it doesn't even matter in our relationship with God. It doesn't matter a bit. We're on a level place with Christ. Okay, I'll make a confession. I am a dedicated sports fan, some would say addicted. <clears throat> and it's Olympic time. I love Olympic time. <laughs> Here we go. And now it's every two years, which is terrific. It used to be I had to wait four years. Now you get a summer and winter. Anyway, um, so if you've been following the Olympics at all, this, this winter Olympics, you know the name Michaela Schifrin. Michaela Schifrin is the top skier in the world going into the Olympics. She had won two gold medals in the pre previous Olympics. She had won World Cups, all the just accolades. But she, had, she entered five Olympic races, competition, and was expected to medal in all five. But if you know the, the, the Olympics, you followed it or you read the news, you know what happened. In her first two competitions, the giant slalom and then the slalom, she went off course very early and was disqualified. Both of them didn't even finish the races. Now here is somebody on the very top of their game, on the top of their sport. And in an instant, that all changed. You know, sports can be that way. <laughs> if you follow the Seminole, oh, we won't go there. Anyway, <laughs> we won't go there. If, if you're an athlete, and, you, and you, you, you define yourself by wins and losses, you're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to be a, a fulfilled person. You can't, hopefully, Michaela will bounce back. I'm pulling for her. I think she's going she's gonna to do fine with her talent and ability. But we know there are no guarantees in life. And we can place too much stake in our wealth, in our, in our position, in our power, and, and not trust the one who can save us. Now, who would have expected a pandemic? Two years of this. Not only we had millions of sick people and millions of deaths, we have people all over the world. Economies have been shaken and paralyzed. People are in poverty and hunger. This has been a, a terrible time. Jesus knew about all that. Jesus knew how fickle life could be, how quickly fortunes can change. In his day, in that time, agricultural society, all it would take would be one good drought. And if all of your herds and your crops is what was your wealth, you could be wiped out. And then the, 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 the kings and the other countries nearby, you never knew what they were thinking or doing. They could attack at any time. The Jews obviously had been exiled in so many years in their history. They knew what that was about. 
and the people of Jesus' day were under the oppressive Roman Empire. Trouble could happen at any time. So the, Jesus is saying you can't trust that stuff. You can't trust the, 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 the conventional wisdom of the day. You can't trust your own wealth or the power that's around you, but you can trust God. Place your trust in God. So we're back in that crowd, and I think Jesus, as he spoke to both these people, he called them rich and poor. You're rich, you poor. I think there were some of both there. There must have been. And we know at least one rich guy was there. His name is Matthew. He was one of the 12. Remember what Matthew did for a living? He was a tax collector. Tax collectors got very wealthy in those days. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? There's one wealthy guy there, and he's right in Jesus' close company. But put yourself in that place. Put yourself in the place of the poor first. Jesus says, you're blessed. They never heard that before. And to the poor and to the the rich, he says, hang on, hold up, be careful. Now imagine that rich person hearing Jesus say to that poor, hungry individual, you're blessed. The rich guy say, you're blessed? How, how can a poor, how can the guy on the street corner begging when I go by every day be blessed? How can that family that comes to glean my field because they're so hungry, how can they be blessed? I'm wondering if there were not a few rich people there that day that began to get a new idea about blessing. Not just me and those who look and act and are in my position are blessed. Even the poor, even the hungry are blessed. And then in the teaching that follows, Jesus talks about loving enemies and, and, and not judging, praying for your persecutors, being generous, compassionate, and loving as God is compassionate and loving. You see, Jesus is not only speaking from a level place, Jesus has leveled the playing field. We're there. We're on that level place together. We're to love one another. And that you and me, we are all creations of God in God's image. I like what, I'm almost done. I like what Amy Zeitlow says. And there's one more quote. Lutheran pastor and author. Jesus aims to remove the barriers to seeing God's image reflected in our lives. Poverty, hunger, tears, being hated can distort our reflection and convince us that we're less than human. Jesus brings blessing and comfort and hope to restore the sense of holy createdness. Wealth, full bellies, mirth, and the esteem of others can also distort our sense of self. Jesus calls us, she says, to pause, whoa, repent, and make room for God's presence in our lives. Folks, Jesus is calling us to a level place, to be with all others alike or like us or different from us and calls us to learn from him 
to be blessed and cautioned by him and to follow him in this way. It's a way of love and mercy and justice. It's the way of God. Amen.